I wondered what it was like to live without that weight on your shoulders. The weight of the murdered ancestors, the stolen land, the abused children, the burden every native person carries. This is Skylar Esna, and welcome back to Stories Retold, y'all. Today's amazing story is Winter Counts by David Heska Wanbly Whedon. Pronounce every name, we're gonna pronounce them correct. I worked on this one, y'all, I worked. I actually have the book this time because I did not return it to the library just yet. So, here we go. Again, we're doing this in honor of Native, Heritage, Native American Heritage Month. And I found this book, I read the summary, I fell in love. However, I did not finish reading the book. I finished listening to it because I found this amazing thing uh, this amazing app called Scribed. And no, it's not sponsored, but I have to tell y'all about Scribed. So they have like regular, they have like ebooks and audiobooks. And y'all know I love a good audiobook. I actually had to audiobook the rest of this book because I had so much going on. I didn't have time to like sit and read like I normally do. So thank you to Scribed and thank you to David to make for making an amazing story. So our author, David, is a member of the Sechungu Lakota Nation. Uh, they are located in South Dakota. At least some of, the, some of them are, and the books also take place in South Dakota. So I asked my uncle, who's been all over the world, not all over the world, all over America, because he was a truck driver. And I asked him, what was in the Dakotas? I know Mount Rushmore is there, and I learned the dark history behind Mount Rushmore. But he told me, you know, ain't nothing really in South Dakota. Haha, ha, he was wrong. The Sechungu Lakota Nation is in South Dakota. So, something is in South Dakota. The description of this book said it was a thriller, but it's not a thriller like scary. It's not like Mexican Gothic. It's a crime solving thriller. So, this should be fun. All right, so y'all know what time it is. Grab your snacks, grab your tea, grab your bestie, because here we go. Today's summary comes from davidweeden.com. Virgil Wounded Horse is the local enforcer on the Rosebud Indian Reservation in South Dakota. When justice is denied by the American legal system and the tribal council, Virgil is hired to deliver his own punishment, the kind that is hard to forget. But when heroin makes its way onto the reservation and finds Virgil's own nephew, his vigilantism suddenly becomes personal. He enlists the help of his ex-girlfriend and sets out to learn where the drugs are coming from and make them stop. They follow a lead to Denver and find that the drug cartels are rapidly expanding forming new and terrifying alliances. And back on the reservation, a new tribal council incentive raises uncomfortable questions about money and power. As Virgil starts to link the pieces together, he must face his own demons and reclaim his native identity. He realizes that being a Native American in the 21st century comes at an incredible cost. Now, I completely like, so here's what I do. So before I read, before I read any book, before I read any of the books, I already get the summary. I write it down. I get the summary together before I even read the book, right? But then I'd be forgetting what's in the summary when I read. So it's all a big surprise to me. I'm like, oh, what happened with money and power? Woo! We're going to see if we get into this book. Y'all going to see. And y'all going to read the book, right? Okay, great. I am giving a trigger warning. There is violence in the book and there is an overdose that um happens so we are going to be talking about drugs i'm not really sure if drugs is a trigger warning 
I, I, I don't know. If it is, uh, prepare yourselves accordingly. If not, you got a little extra about the book. You're welcome. Here we go. So our main character is Virgil Wounded Horse. He is, like the summary says, the local enforcer. So whenever the cops can't do anything, whenever the um, tribal police don't do anything, they call Virgil and he gets justice. So we see very early on that Virgil was teased as a kid. Uh, one of the biggest things people would tease him for was being, uh, they would call him a half-blood because one of his parents was native. I don't know what his other parent was. I don't think it ever said, but they're saying he's not full Lakota. And that really hurt, especially, you know, all around you, you're surrounded by Lakota people and they're saying, oh, you're not really one of us, but you're the only community I've ever known my whole life, so. Like I said, we are on the Rosebud Indian Reservation and we are looking at the Lakota Nation. Now, I love reading books where I get to learn about different cultures because like I said last week, I never read books by Native American authors before because of my lack of knowledge about them and my lack of exposure to them. So I found the seven values principle of the Lakota Nation. It is praying, respect, caring and compassion, honesty and truth, generosity and caring. I'm sure this is translated into English. So, okay, I'm going to keep going. Humility and wisdom. Um, it reminds me of Kwanzaa principles. I just like how different cultures have values that link up. It just reminds me of Kwanzaa principles. So I feel like, okay, I get it. Rules to live by. Principles to live by. So also the title is called Winter Counts. My initial thought, oh, we're gonna be dealing in the winter and people always talk about winter being the time of like death and all this stuff, you know, poetry and stuff. And then spring is new beginnings, but make winter count, you know, completely wrong. I was completely wrong. So winter count is the calendar system and used by the Lakota and each picture shows a significant event from the past year. And from what I could tell from the book, I'm not 100% sure, I'm gonna have to look it up again. They make their own for the year. Cause that, so there was a point in the book where Virgil and his sister were kids and they were drawing their own winter counts. And they were saying like, this is what happened here. And this is what happened here. Kind of like um, the calendar is sort of like a record of history. Instead of ours, it's just like the same over and over again, it changes with each year. I believe that's what it is. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's pretty cool. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I really don't want to offend anybody in anybody's culture, but that's what I got. Virgil took in his nephew, Nathan, after Nathan's mom died, which was his sister. And Virgil is not a stranger to death. His parents have died and his sister died in a car accident. Nathan is one of the last family members that Virgil has. He also has a very old aunt but uh we get a little bit of her but not really a lot but yeah it's Virgil and Nathan and Virgil would do anything to protect Nathan and we're gonna see a lot of that in this book so one of the councilmen Ben he reaches out to Virgil because you know Virgil's that guy Ben says Hey Virgil, I need you to go after this guy. His name is Rick Crow. He's bringing drugs into the reservation. More specifically, heroin. I need you to get this guy 
out of here. And he pays him $5,000 and an additional thousand to get him to Denver where Rick is meeting with his guys, right? Now, Virgil has heard nothing about heroin on the reservation or the res as they call it. That's the site they call it the res. He has heard nothing about drugs. Well, drugs, yes. You know, some weed, yeah. But heroin, the hard stuff, He's heard nothing about that being on the res. So at first he turns Ben down. He's like, no, I don't believe you. That doesn't even sound right. But Virgil thinks that it's not really gonna kill him to look into it and see if Ben's even onto something. So Virgil goes searching around. He looks for Rick Crow and he finds his trailer and sees that there's either heroin or heroin paraphernalia in the trailer. So as Virgil is trying to process everything. He gets a phone call that Nathan is in the hospital because Nathan overdosed on, you guessed it, heroin. But not just any heroin. The heroin was laced with fentanyl. Let's take a second to talk about fentanyl because I first discovered what fentanyl was when watching the Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj. And I learned that like, if you look at a penny and you like put like a tiny pinch, barely enough to cover like Lincoln's head, that is a deadly amount of fentanyl. I still don't fully understand why people lace their drugs with fentanyl. I know it make it more potent, but still, if you gonna kill your customer base, that's because they can't quote unquote afford to, I don't like it. So here's kind of like a history of fentanyl that I got from Patriot. So here we go. So it's a synthetic opioid that takes the tiniest amount to be lethal. If you remember when people were getting uh, addicted to painkillers, apparently all of this started not just in the book, not just in the Lakota Nation we're talking about. I think I just wanna say America. I think I wanna say America. When people were getting prescribed the painkiller Oxycontin and then they got an addiction to Oxycontin and they could no longer get it because now they're addicted and they're like, you don't need it anymore. They would turn to heroin because heroin is a cheaper version of Oxycontin. They're both kind of like a painkiller, I believe. Heroin provided the same kind of relief that Oxycontin did, but unsupervised and un um, without giving proper dosage, people overdosed and died. Now, fentanyl, in relation to heroin, fentanyl is 50 times stronger than heroin. The fact that it literally takes a pinch of this thing to kill an elephant, that, that, was the, that was the analysis they gave on the show. That much to kill an elephant. I may be half an elephant toenail. My, I may be half an elephant toenail. You're telling me a pinch could kill an elephant, but people are putting it in drugs. It don't make sense to me, and I also don't do drugs. But I digress, we shall move on. So thankfully, thankfully Nathan is alive. He's alive. Take a moment to praise God. Hallelujah. But because Nathan is alive, because Nathan overdosed on heroin that he was sold to by like, kids at his school, Virgil is now more determined than ever to go get Rick Crow and stop the heroin from coming to the reservation. I just thought about something. You have to read the book for me to ask this question, but my, he tried it once. Okay, so Nathan talks about later, like he only tried it once just to see what's up. That's how most people get into drugs, you know, just wanting to try it once, see what happens. 
but that one time almost killed you. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's not worth that. So while Nathan's in the hospital, Virgil gets a call from his ex-girlfriend, Marie, who heard that Nathan was in the hospital. She knows how close Virgil is to Nathan and she's going to check on Virgil and make sure he was okay. That was very nice of her. And Virgil's talking to her and as he's talking, he slips up and mentions Rick Crow's name and the fact that he possibly, he possibly brought the heroin to the reservation. And she said, wait, 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 Rick Crow? Yeah. I'm coming with you to go find this dirt bag. She didn't call him a dirt bag because she's really sweet. She wants to go with Virgil to Denver to go talk to Rick Crow. Cause she wants to talk and he wants to talk, okay? So the reason Marie thinks that she can talk to Rick and like get him to stop is because she used to date Rick Crow. Now my question is how did the sweet girl who went to college and works um works for the like I don't even know what to call it what she works for the center it's like a center she works for like a like a youth center type thing she works for the center and how you end up dating a local drug dealer I don't know read the book she explains what happened read the book read the book and tell me if you identify with that because mm, Mm, I don't know about that one, sis. No, she did not do drugs. No, she was not doing drugs. She never did drugs, but he was the local drug dealer. I doesn't know how the two of them got together, but she says he was a rebound after Virgil and her broke up. That's a really hard rebound. <laughs> That's a hard rebound, sis. But all right, I guess from the vigilante to the drug dealer. All right, that makes sense. So Virgil started asking her questions like, oh, so you might know where he is in Denver. Tell me where he is. She's like, I ain't telling you nothing unless I go with you. He said, no. She said, yes. And went back and forth until Virgil was like, fine, you can come along. Once Nathan gets out of the hospital, which unfortunately is relatively quick because they don't have a lot of beds and they don't have a lot of long-term care they can give him. Virgil sends Nathan up to the to aunt I was talking about. He sends her up to the, he sends him up to the aunt just to get him away from everybody right now. Like you need to go focus on your healing. I don't want you talking to nobody. I don't need you around nobody because I don't even understand how you and drugs became friends. Once Virgil drops Nathan off at the auntie house, um, Virgil and Marie leave South Dakota and go off to Denver to go find Rick. Because apparently Rick is up there getting his supplies and his stash for whatever. I don't I don't know drug drug people talk slang. I'm sorry. He's gonna go get his stuff. And it's in Denver. So he's gonna get his stuff. I don't know what it is this is funny or tragic, but here we go. So they get to Denver, they're bouncing around, looking for places to go. Marie finds the name of the place, a place that Rick could possibly be at, you know? So it leads them to a weed dispensary. Because in Denver, weed legal. So that lets me know that this is a pretty recent book because I have my cell phones and all this stuff, cool. But that weed is legal. Cause I went to Denver not too long ago. Weed was recent, weed was legal when I went, but I did not partake. Cause you know, nah, I'm good. They get to the weed dispensary and they meet Dr. Maximilian Pratt. He's a doctor in the study of psychedelic therapy and spiritual development. I would say that was a lie, but I almost went to school in Colorado in Border. It's real. <laughs> I looked at the school, I said, oh, oh, oh no, oh no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. He probably, he is not relevant for most of the rest of the book, but hear me out because this, like I said, 
funny and tragic in the same breath, okay? So he went to the Shamanistic Institute in Border and learned psychedelic medicine, psychosocial therapy, and Native American healing. So he says, Hey, you guys look Native American. You must know all about this stuff, like peyote and healing circles. Marie said, actually, no, we have different traditions. Factual, actual factual. And she's just trying to move on, ask questions about Rick. Get what I'm here to get. Okay, okay. So after that, they started asking about Rick Crow and the reason they came down. Virgil said, have you seen him? He's an Indian guy. Maximilian says, oh, you mean Native American. All I'm saying is, if I said I'm looking for a black girl, and you say, oh, do you mean African American? Don't do that. Max, why would you do that? Why would you do that? I said what I said. He said Indian. I'm looking for an Indian guy. Oh, you mean Native American. I said Indian. I said what I said and meant what I said. Oh, Lord, we do not want your political terminology if we say one thing, do not correct us with the politically correct version of that. This whole scenario with Dr. Maximilian is an example of one, no culture or its people are monoliths and don't treat them as such. Every Native American nation has different traditions, uh, different practices. Don't put them all in the same circle because they don't all belong. And two, just because you have a degree does not mean you're an expert in somebody's culture. Does not matter. It does not matter. And three, white people will be white peopling. And I'm gonna leave it at that. We shall continue. We shall continue. So after that, they go to a bar, try to see if they can find Rick there. He's not there and they leave. As they're coming out, Virgil noticed somebody following them. He tells Maria to duck off behind a dumpster and he's like, I'm gonna fight this dude. I'm gonna take this dude down. This dude took Virgil down. Virgil was flat on the back, okay? He was pluck cow. He was out for the cow. Finds out the guy was a cop named Dennis. Personally, I didn't really like Dennis. I didn't. He wasn't my cup of tea. I didn't like Dennis. But why I don't like Dennis? He was shady from jump. Like his credentials looked fake and just just shady. You didn't look official, you know? He asked why are they up there? Why are you asking for Rick Crow? Marie and Virgil tell him enough about the situation on the res and the drug situation, what happened with Nathan and everything. And Dennis asks, like, where did he get the drugs from? He bought them from these guys who were selling right outside his school. Dennis said, oh, so they were selling on school grounds. Yeah, cool. I need your help getting those guys because if we get those guys for selling on school grounds, selling drugs, that's a super big charge and we can get them put away. Um, all we would need to do is have Nathan work with the feds because Dennis is the feds. He's not like just Denver police, nay nay, he is the feds. Virgil said, oh no, we don't work for cops. We don't do snitches. We do not do the snitches, okay? Because snitches, say it with me, we'll get the stitches, okay? We don't do snitches. He's like, no, we're not gonna do it. Then he said, well, you know, think about it. Just think about it. But he did say that the offer was limited. So think about it, but not for too long. So in the middle of enjoying Denver, Virgil and Marie start to enjoy their relationship. Like they start to spark back up. I say, wait a minute. I don't like, I, I don't know. I don't know about this. Honestly, it just, 
it popped out of nowhere for me. And I didn't like how it started. I felt like it started like a trauma bond kind of thing. I'm like, I don't know about this too much. But we'll let it ride, I guess. See how it goes. Let's find out what happens. So um, as they were enjoying each other, enjoying the company, enjoying the tourist life of Denver, Virgil gets a call that Nathan has been arrested because he had pills in his locker. Like enough pills to get him a 10 year charge in adult prison, not no juvie, in adult prison. So Marie and Virgil rushed back to South Dakota to find out what the heck is going on with Nathan. Nathan swears up and down. He had no idea about no pills. He just tried the heroin the one time. He had nothing to do with this. You gotta believe me. And Virgil believes him. Virgil believes him. You know, like, hey, if you say you had nothing to do with this, cool. But now you are in a jail, but not like, mm, it's jail, but it's not like jail. It's like juvie jail but not a ball and chain type jail. It's like a community, community center type jail. It's a community center jail. That's the best way I can describe it. Does it make sense? Not really, but it's a community center. It's not super bad, but it's not great either because you're still in jail with the orange jumpsuit too. But now Virgil has to get a lawyer. He ain't got no lawyer money, but Ben calls because Ben found out what happened with Nathan. He's like, hey, um, oh, also, Ben, the co the councilman who sent Virgil up to go get Rick, is Marie's father. Wanted to put that out there. So Ben calls Virgil. He's like, hey, I heard what happened to Nathan. Let me hook you up with my, my lawyer friend, Charlie Shortbear. Tell him I sent you and you're good to go. Okay? So Virgil goes up to meet Charlie. And he's like, look, I ain't got no money to pay you. Maybe we can work like a payment plan or something. Charlie said, no, no, you don't have to worry about it. I'm doing this on behalf of Ben. You're good to go. Free lawyer, who can really turn down a free lawyer? You know, especially when you ain't got no money and he's a good lawyer and he's native. We can't turn this opportunity down. It don't come twice. You gotta, you gotta take it. You got to take it, you know? Here's Charlie's plan. We'll get Nathan to work with the feds. He told him, because Virgil told him about Dennis and everything that happened. We'll get Nathan work with Dennis, get him to wear a wire and buy more drugs from the guys who sold him the heroin. That way they can catch the heroin guys for selling drugs on school property and they think it's all free. Virgil doesn't really like the plan, but he's gonna leave it to Nathan to make his decision. But we all know Nathan is gonna ask Virgil what Virgil wants to do because that's his uncle. That's who, that's, that's your guardian, you know? That's the person you trust. So when Virgil brought it to Nathan, Nathan's like, I don't know. What do you think I should do? Virgil said, work with the cops. And Nathan agrees. And now we are working with the feds. Quick side note, we are talking a lot about Native Americans living on a reservation. And as a black person who grew up in white suburbia, I always thought, oh snap, how cool would it be to live where everyone looks like me and my culture is celebrated and it's just a part of everyday life. It's not something that we just do on uh, Juneteenth or, well, we didn't have Juneteenth when I was a kid, but on, you know, Black History Month, you know? And, you know, from last week, we had the same, we had the debate as well because um, Louise from last week lived off the reservation. And now we have Virgil who lives on the reservation and he talks about how it is not the best living 
It is underfunded. They need a lot of work done. And the government is not giving them what they need to survive because it's the American government. And how, how, how else are they going to disrespect the Native people today? That's kind of, that's kind of where we are. The American government has never done right by the Native American population in my research and opinion. I don't, I can't say this is the truth for all reservations. This is just the reservation that is depicted in, in this story. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like. Of course, all reservations are not a monolith. Like, uh, like I said not too long ago, it's not all a monolith, but this is just an interesting side of that story. So it's not the entire story for everybody, but in this one situation, this is what we're dealing with. So it's not great living on the reservation. I guess because it's not a great living situation on the reservation, why Virgil was, well, what kind of makes it a big deal that Virgil turned down the $5,000, but eventually he did say, yeah, I'm in because he went to go get Rick. But he mentioned that that much money will make a huge difference in his life. And, you know, $6,000, yeah, it can make some big difference. But you know, me personally, that, that's not a down payment for a house. It's a good bit. Well, is it a down payment for a house? I don't know, I've never bought a house. But you know, he talks about how much that money would make a difference and how so many people on the reservation don't have money for good food. And he talks about how bad the food is on the reservation, except for uh, later on in the book, we are gonna talk about uh, Marie gets to, gets to shuffling it up. And I bet she does really good. In the beginning, it talks about how not bad, but sad life on the reservation could be at times. So that was interesting to to read and because I never knew. But I will continue. So we see Virgil and Marie being together somewhat, not officially together, but together. And we learned that Marie applied for med school one of those my mom made me my mom and dad made me do it kind of thing yeah so she applies and she got a scholarship for somewhere i want to say albuquerque albuquerque new mexico yeah albuquerque and they gave her a full scholarship and they said but 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 here's the kicker with the scholarship, she has to live in Albuquerque for five years. So not only does she have to go to Albuquerque for school, she has to stay there for five years. So what does that mean for her and Virgil's relationship? So she finds this out and she's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You know what? I'm going to go out with my homegirl. She goes out with her homegirl, gets drunk with her homegirl. And they're like, hey, we're too drunk to drive. Virgil, can you take us home? Virgil, yeah, I got you. I got you. I love Virgil with Marie. I love the person Virgil is with Marie. You know, he's so sweet. He's so sweet. Okay, so Marie, huh. so she's drunk talking and she's just like, Virgil, you changed, like in a good way. She, she likes the Virgil he is now. Cause like I said, he's softer with Marie. He's a nicer guy when he's with Marie. Because before he was like a real hardcore dude. But we see he has a really, really big heart. And then she's junk talking still. And she's like, I don't have kids. Everybody else my age has kids. I don't have kids. And Virgil's just driving like <laughs> And he's like, well, 
do you want kids? Like, is this something you want to have? He looks over, she's knocked out. <laughs> How, what a way to mess somebody's mind up. Just like, I want kids. Sleep. Are we gonna talk about this when you wake up? Or what does this mean? What does it mean? So now, the moment you've been waiting for, it's time for the drug deal. It's time to go down, okay? So Nathan's working with the feds. And Nathan, he's not wired up yet because they said, no, we need Nathan to get a trust buy first. So he has to meet with the guys and get like a small amount just to bring it back. One, to make sure it's heroin. And then two, to make sure that, you know, they can trust him. Like, you know, if they need to pat him down, he won't be wearing a wire. He won't have nothing but like a burner phone on him, you know, just in case something goes wrong. And um, if something does go wrong, Nathan's supposed to call the phone and say, I'm finna go over a friend's house. You know, Nathan goes, makes the first buy. We're good, fantastic. Time for buy number two, the big buy, the wired up buy, right? So Nathan's all wired up, he's good to go. They're listening to the deal in like the, the squad car type thing, right? Things go bad. Go read the book. Oh, I was about to tell you, I can't tell you, I can't tell you, I can't tell you. But go read the book. And you know, if you know, if you know anything about, if you know nothing about the drug life, because I know nothing, if you know nothing about the drug life, you know at least the dealers are on the bottom rung. They are not the one making the shots. They are not the ones, you know, movers and shakers in the drug world. But we find out who the mover and shaker is. You, bruh, bruh. I was listening to this at work. I'm listening to it at work. Tippity type it, tippity type it. And I find out who is the big mover and shaker. Ah! I screamed. Everybody said, what's wrong? I said, I'm good. It's just a good book. I'm good. It just, the book took me by surprise. It took me by surprise. Ah! I was stuck. I was stuck. It was a good book. And we see um, while, while all this is going on and we're trying to help Nathan, I'm trying to not say too much about what happened there. But um, so as we're going through this whole thing, I'm trying to help Nathan. Virgil realizes that he has to get back in touch with his native identity and his, um, his spirituality to help Nathan, right? So what they do is uh, they, they had a Uweepi healing ceremony to help him. Bruh, this Uweepi ceremony revealed a lot to Virgil and it reminds us of some of the atrocities that Native Americans have dealt with because of the American government and how trash the American government has been to Native American uh, people. Wow. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, Virgil, remains to be the protector of not only the Rosebud Indian Reservation, but the Lakota people. And we absolutely love it! We love to see it! And that's the end of our story. That's the end of our story. Go read this book, man. You hit, oh, ah, ah, I promise you. So I partly knew the ending and I partly, you know what? I'm gonna get there, I'm gonna get there, I'm gonna get there, I'm gonna get there, I'm gonna get there. 
So why do I recommend this book? Um, like I said before, I had never read a book about the Lakota Nation. I don't even think I knew about the Lakota Nation before I picked up this book. I don't think I did, but this book gives a very vivid introduction into learning about uh, the culture. And what I really love is the author's note at the end because David talks about all of the ways that he got uh, his information for the books because the Uweepi that we talked about is a very private ceremony. There are a lot of things that they did not tell us what happened because they're sacred. Like any tradition and any good person, you don't want to tell so much of something that is sacred to the point where you disrespect the culture and we never want to be disrespectful of anybody's culture especially over here you know we don't we're not a fan of disrespecting cultures but in the author's note david says that this is a work of fiction formed by historic and current events he encourages more research um and he gives us some scholarly uh books and articles that we could read and learn from i'm gonna give you a few of them here because we're all about the research the research he gets, he gets a lot of research, but the ones I want to talk about are when it comes to how the law is enforced. He gives a lot of resources. So please go listen to the audiobook or go pick up the book to get all of them. So the resources that I will be talking about, that I will be sharing with you that he gave were on just about the injustice and the law and how that affects Native communities. So he mentioned American Apartheid the Native American Struggle for Self-Determination and Inclusion by Stephanie Woodward, American Indians, American Justice by Vine Delora Jr. and Clifford M. Lytle, and Braids of Feathers, American Indian Law and Contemporary Tribal Life by Frank Bomersham. They also give resources for um, Lakota spirituality. I'm looking in the book now. He also talked about opioids and heroin distribution systems. He talked about the Lakota spirituality, more resources there. So go get the book because it has all of those amazing resources in the author's notes. And he was very transparent with the author's note. And I think it's a good conversation starter for something a little deeper than last week's book so um that's why i would recommend this book and i really recommend it for i guess i would say high schoolers high school stuff it's a little you know dealing with drugs it deals with drugs and there's a good bit of violence and some shooting but also really good for a book club you know a good conversation starter so my favorite part the ending i know y'all saw my ah moments okay Yo, the ending threw me because, okay, so I was shocked in a good way. Like I said, I don't know if, if I've told y'all this before. I think I have, but I'm going to reiterate it. I like being shocked in a good way, okay? I don't want to know what happens at the end. I was like, ooh, I knew this, but I didn't see that coming. Oh my God. That's what I'm looking for. And that's, it was, it gave. It gave what it was supposed to give. And we are a fan. We are absolutely fans. Um, also, like I said, I love learning about different cultures and I love being introduced to things that I did not know. So very big fan of that. Absolutely loved it. My least favorite part, I hate to say it, but I knew 
who I had a feeling where the bad guy was from jump and I hated that I figured it out so quick. But again, it was still okay because at the end it was just confirmed, but then I was twisted, so I'm okay. But that was my least favorite part, but it really wasn't, that really isn't a least favorite part because the book was still good. The book was still really good. So moral of the story, drug addiction is a mental illness. Drug distribution is the criminal offense. Drug addiction is actually a mental illness. The distributing, the distribution of drugs is the offense, not the taking of the drug itself. Treat it as such and adjust the laws accordingly. Educate yourself about native issues. There's a lot that we don't know because either we weren't told, it hasn't been shown to us, and we've been living in a bubble of our own experiences, but get out there and educate yourself. And lastly, donate, share information, and support indigenous communities. It's very important to do so. Get out there and make the world a better place. I'm still looking for that Indian taco, by the way. I don't know who's got it, but I'm still looking for that Indian taco. Thank you. So that is the end of the episode. Thank you guys so much for joining me. And in the words of David, I hope this book inspires you and educates you about the Lakota Nation. I know it did for me. I hope it did the same for you. And until we meet again, own your own stories. Read to expand your mind and I will see you next time. Bye.